Welcome to episode four of As You Were Saying. In this episode, we answer some great listener questions, continue the discussion about God and evil, and talk about some of the tech drama currently unfolding between Facebook and Apple. Remember, you can contact us with questions at creativeandbeyond.com, and if you like the episode, please leave us a review on iTunes. Well, hello, Aaron. Hello, Gordon. How are you? I'm, I'm doing pretty well. You Good. didn't You didn't start by asking me what I'm drinking, I noticed. Well, I thought I would put you before your drink this time, oh. though I, I now must ask, uh, what are you drinking? <laughs> I, I am drinking tea. It's actually my wife's tea that I stole, so don't tell her I'm finishing it off. <laughs> okay. Hopefully she doesn't find out. Um, now, the brand is Honest Tea, and the flavor is Peach Ula La Long. Now, is this hot tea? No, it's cold tea. Cold tea? Yeah. Is it? Uh, how was it made? What do you mean? Well, did you make it in your in your home? No, no, it's or? a bottle. It's in a bottle, a glass bottle. Oh, yeah. okay, gotcha. I see. Yeah, great. Mm-hmm. So, drinking some nice cold tea. Yes, on a cold day. On a cold day. What's the temperature where you are? Uh, I'd have to look that up. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Um, I guess I don't. I think the temperature here is nine degrees. Really? <laughs> yeah. Which is actually an improvement. It's been way colder than that over the past several days. So it is 57 degrees here. Oh, man. I hate you. <laughs> it's cool. It's very nice. Yeah. Um, no, it's so cold. I My feet, like the ground in my apartment is cold oh. because of how cold it is outside. And oh. so as I'm working, my feet, like my toes start to go numb because of how cold the ground is. It's not good. No, that's very uncomfortable. Do you wear, do you like double up on socks? That's a good idea. No, I just have some wool socks that I wear. Okay. Some REI, yeah. Um, but no, I just get up and walk around and then stand on the carpet. Okay. <laughs> Things like that. Do you, have you ever worn the socks with the toes in them? <laughs> so I don't. <laughs> Sorry, there's so many ways to understand what you just said. Or at least, at least, two primary ways. You're right. <laughs> I didn't think about that. So let me clarify. Yeah. Uh, do you mean socks that have severed toes? Severed toes. Uh, in, inside them, or do you mean socks that have little places for my toes to go that are like little individual toe cubbies? Um, I mean the second part. Yes, socks okay. socks that have sections in them for specifically for your toes. Now, I I assume whenever you wear socks that your toes are in the socks. Um and I also would assume hopefully correctly that there are not severed <laughs> toes in your socks with you. Yeah, most of the time that's correct. Okay. <laughs> that's um good. so no, no to uh the severed toe interpretation and no to the toe cubby interpretation okay yes yes to the have my toes been inside socks before yes yes they have (laughs) good okay well i'm glad we cleared that up yeah me too i i'm i've been wanting to clear that up for some time (laughs) so let me ask how you are uh i am well i am done traveling finally okay uh yes it's very it's nice uh the wife and i are happy to be home and enjoying our little apartment with our little, I don't know, setup and routine and everything else. It's, yeah, it's nice. Nice to get back into the groove. That is good. And are you drinking anything of note? Well, so 
I was drinking still water because I was worried about my throat because my my voice has been going, I think, because of all the dry air. And so I was like trying to drink lots of water. But I'm... <laughs> I, I got up right before we started recording, and I must have taken my drink with me because there is no drink on my desk anymore, and I don't know where it went. And I'm the only person here. At least I think I'm the only person here. Ooh. So I must have moved it. So the answer to that is no. But I did intend to be drinking some lukewarm still water, but I I am not. Luke, so did you warm the water up? I didn't. No, I didn't warm it up, but I just let it sit out. Okay. So, so I mean, I guess I, I guess I warmed it, but I didn't artificially warm it. I just let it sit out. So it's not, is it, I normally I would say it's room temperature, but you said it's lukewarm, which makes me think you've warmed it. I use the, I said the wrong thing. Okay. Yeah. All right. I just mean it's room temperature. Okay. You know, I just noticed that this, the cap to my tea has a little quote on it, kind of like they do with, uh, with Snapple teas. Um, would you like me to read it? I, I would love nothing more than that. Okay. Before you embark on a journey of revenge, dig two graves, and this is by Confucius. Oh, I see. That's because people that you seek revenge on usually have buddies. Yes, exactly. You you got to be ready to kill the whole crowd. So That's right. Yeah, it's about commitment uh-huh. and follow through. Uh-huh. That's good. That's really good. And and I think that this is a, a marketing ploy as well because they know people that drink peach tea tend to be people that have a uh, some kind of vendetta. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, they do. and But they also lack follow through so usually it's it's a bunch of millennials with uh with a chip on their shoulder Mm -hmm. drink peach tea that's that's where this is going yeah yeah no that sounds about right that confucius was pretty smart (laughs) very smart indeed um on a serious note yeah that's i do like quotes like that revenge really is a poison uh it's it's interesting how seeking revenge on somebody and harboring those feelings is really damaging Mm -hmm. and really i mean it's. I think Hollywood sometimes there are movies that come to mind that at least, unless you think really hard about it, seem to sort of glorify revenge. Uh, maybe maybe Princess Bride is an example. I mean, uh, Inigo Montoya. He's he has, he's avenging his father, and yeah, you know that's his whole life is this seeking vengeance. Um, it's not hard to come to the conclusion that his life is terrible because he's just seeking revenge. He's been seeking revenge since he was a kid, basically. Right. Um, but at the same time, like he's awesome. Like he's, you know, this, this cool Spaniard who has awesome sword skills and is like a pretty nice guy and has nice hair. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you have a good point. And there's a, uh, I guess there's a emotional reward for the audience when that person gets the revenge. Um, and that's, yeah, that's, right. that's played up a lot in Hollywood. That's one of the things I like about, or that's one of the reasons I like The Count of Monte Cristo. Uh, is that oh, yeah. It, it shows the negative sides of revenge or he, him choosing not to take the path of revenge. Right. Yeah, no, for sure. That's Alexander Dumas, right? Mm-hmm. Three Musketeers guy? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, good stuff. Uh, all right. Well, so, what do we... What do we what do we have going on today? Yeah, we have a lot going on actually. I don't know. I don't know if we'll get through everything, uh, but we'll see how this goes. So, how about we start with some follow up? Follow up. Okay. So the first thing we have. Uh, so I have some follow up on GameStop. So I think I think it was maybe a couple hours after we recorded the last show, GameStop announced the release date of Artorias of the Abyss. Actually, strike that. It was not GameStop that announced it. It was uh, Totaku 
which I believe is the company that designs this figure, the Artorias Thebus figure. They have a whole line of these figures. And the, the release date is going to be February 15th. And so there's an official release. If we're to believe the Totako uh, Twitter account, there's an official release of Artorias the day after Valentine's Day. And hopefully this, this drama will come to an end. Uh, according to my GameStop account, however, it says that Artorias will be released here in a couple days. <laughs> um, so sometime... Um, I'm sorry. No, no, no. According to my account, uh, he was supposed to be released January 30th, which is, was a couple days ago. But he was not. So I hopefully February 15th is the day. We will keep you posted. Mm. I'm sure... Our, uh, I'm sure our listeners are very excited about this and waiting with bated breath. I Yeah, I'm sure they are. I've gotten a lot of feedback about this. And thank you all for your kind emails consoling me. I really appreciate it. This has been a, a very hard time. But um, <laughs> it looks like it's coming to an end. Uh, a second piece of follow-up is... I have my bell with me. Yeah, the bell. Yeah. So um, I'm not sure what I'm going to do with the bell yet. For uh, whom the bell tolls. Oh, there we go. Uh, but it is with me. That's the first step to figuring out what to do with it. And it, and it also just makes me really happy. <laughs> now that I have a bell, I can figure out what I'm going to do with it. Exactly. That's good. Well, I have some follow-up from longtime listener Jimmy. Are, are we at to the point where we can call someone a longtime listener? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think we can call Jimmy friend of the show even. Oh, yeah, you're right. He is a friend of the show. So Jimmy, friend of the show, has some, or you, you have some follow-up from Jimmy, friend of the show, or friend of the show, Jimmy. Whichever, yes. Whichever. Yeah, so he, let's see, he ag- agrees with your final assessment of Comprise. Um, he says, kind of sum it up here, uh, he says uh, it, it mimics his few pet peeves of grammar. He says he's fine um, and understands that languages are fluid but when you use a word that doesn't mean what's supposed to mean, it makes communication harder. And so words like literally and comprise mean something to him because he knows what their definitions are. And when they're used incorrectly, it makes communication, sorry, communicating an idea more difficult. So that's his big issue with words like that. No, I mean, I think that's a fair point. Yeah. We, we also talked about, um, what was it? We talked about uh, flammable and inflammable. And he uh, he hates that both of those exist, even though they're correct. And then also, um, regardless and irregardless, and uh, how it it bothers him when people use irregardless, which I would agree. I I don't get too bothered by it, but most of the time I don't normally correct people. But most of the time, if someone says irregardless, I'll let them know that that's not the right word. Yeah, irregardless is a hard one. I so is that. Is that a real word, quote unquote, real it, word? I, if it's not, I think it is, but it's not, it's still not generally accepted. Yeah, I have a hard time with that one too. I, so I actually have this fear whenever I say irrespective, I, I always, I, I get this, this like fear wells up inside of me that I actually said irregardless instead. <laughs> really? And I, I have to stop and think, what did I just say? <laughs> what have I said? I don't know where it comes from. Uh, yeah, it's like a strange phenomenon that, that's hap- been going on for some time. Yeah. Um, that's, I don't know. Yeah. It's that's funny. funny. Um, so, yeah. So it's interesting. So Jimmy makes this comment about definitions and, you know, he said that it, some of these words when they get used in a certain way, make, make communication more difficult because he knows the definitions. Mm-hmm. And so I, yeah, fair point. I, you know, I don't really disagree with anything that was said, 
But I think it's interesting to note that the majority of people do not learn words through definitions. Like they don't, they don't learn what they, you know, how to speak by sitting down and studying a list of definitions. They, they learn how to speak by interacting with speakers and interacting in, by, you know, uh, observing communication and attempting to communicate and successfully communicating. Um, and so it's really uh, sort of an interesting discussion to be had, um, this relationship between the definitions, say, in a dictionary and the how we use words in conversations. Um, I think this is like further illustrated or I guess um, supported sort of like the, the messiness of this, it, you know, is further illustrated by the fact that dictionary definitions are all circular. Like you, you go to a dictionary and, you know, the dictionary definition is going to, is not going to take the term that you want to find and then define it in, in other terms, or, or at least if it does, they're, they're synonyms or, um, other words that have the same meaning as the original term. And so, you know, dictionaries, help elucidate the meaning of terms but they they don't tell us anything we don't already know in terms of meaning i guess um so i feel like i just said a bunch of words and maybe that wasn't entirely clear but um, uh, you, you did i think I'm, I'm i'm following though would would you say here's the thought that i had um generally words words in their meaning form maybe always uh based on usage and then later on the dictionary takes those words that are commonly used and um, defines them according to how they're used. Um, so the, the tricky part is that the, the, the official usage of the word is generally what's in the dictionary, but people may be, at any time, people are making up or using words in different ways. Um, so it may not be widely accepted, but it is how it's being used. Yeah, so that's... Yeah, that's that's one part of it. So yeah, part one I think is, yeah, the meanings of these terms come from usage. I, at least that's that's a really there's like that's a really good theory of where the meaning comes from is is the usage. We run around, you know, having you know noises fall out of our mouths and pointing at things, and then eventually we don't have to point anymore, and suddenly this noise this like noise table, you now know when I make you know when I when I go table. You, you know what I'm talking about because the past, you know, 170 times I went table, I was pointing at this, you know, four-legged thing with a flat surface on top. I, um, my, uh, my mind goes to Dances with Wolves when he's going tonto and like showing, I think it's for Buffalo or something like that. I So I'm not familiar with that movie. Oh, is that man. Is that something recent? No, I'm just kidding. No. I know that. Is, yeah, Kevin <laughs> Costner. Like, wow, yeah. really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like best picture, Kevin yeah, Costner. Yeah, Kevin on. Costner born uh, on January 18th, actually, sometime uh, yes. in the 60s, maybe, um, maybe 50s. I'm not sure. I don't know. I don't know how old he is, but um, yeah. So, so that's that's the first part. Is that the yeah the the usage? At least, if we were to roll the story all the way back, it seems like the usage is going to come before the the dictionary definitions. Um, yeah. At least for native speakers, right, who learn this from birth. Yeah. The the second part is the the dictionary problem is this. So here's here's a way to define a term. I give you the term bachelor and then I tell you, well what that term means is unmarried man. 
and and maybe I even supplement an unmarried man of marriable age or something something like that. Mm-hmm. And it seems like you've learned something because you you have this term bachelor, and now you have these other terms that aren't bachelor. None of none of which individually mean the same thing as bachelor, but all together give you the meaning of bachelor. And so you've you're you, you've been enhanced, like uh, you're. I don't know, your meaning profile has enhanced mm-hmm. uh, in virtue of this. Well, here's here's another way, and this is what happens in dictionaries, is you have man, and this gets defined with uh, with the term guy. And it it's like, so it's like, wait a minute. Um so so I guess I've learned something. Like I know what this symbol man. Uh I I know how this relates to this other symbol, guy, uh, but I haven't gained any new uh meaning from this. I, I've just sort of attached the meaning I already have up to another symbol. Yeah. And so there's, there's a circularity there. That's I think very interesting that's going on in dictionaries, which helps uh, illustrate the messiness of this discussion. Mm-hmm. So let's leave it at that. Yep. That sounds good. And by the way, Kevin Costner was born January 18th, 1955, which makes him 64 years old. Happy birthday, Kevin Costner. Happy birthday, sir. Well, that's all I have on follow-up. Do you have anything else? No, I think that's it. Great, great. Oh, I guess this is one... Well, we'll we'll move on. We'll move on. So let's go to listener questions. Oh, I see. So I'm looking at the show notes now. I think I know what you were about to say. Yeah. So <laughs> for, for those of you who can't see our private document that has our show plan on it... Which is uh, all of you. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's a creepy world we live in. Um, yeah, you're so right. there's there's if, bolded Actually if if you can see the document, please let us know. Yeah. yeah yes, please. Um we would like to know that. Um actually, this will relate to something I want to say later in the show about uh privacy and bugs. Uh it's actually not in the show notes. So I forgot to put it in. Oh. But we're going to talk about it anyways because it's good, interesting. Good. Okay. Uh, so on our on our document here it says listener questions in bold and below that it has follow up that so it has the words follow up under (laughs) listener questions and follow up is the previous section so it looks like something got miscategorized aaron can you explain this well it it is a follow-up but it's a follow-up to a listener question so so i wasn't sure where to put it as far as is it is it follow-up or is it a listener question i don't know okay all right we'll let it pass we'll let it pass thank you thank you so the the follow up is uh, last week I believe we addressed or last recording we addressed Amy's question in regards to the um, the two hundred dollar statue and we failed to recognize that her question was in response to something you said about the statue you're waiting on from GameStop and you said something like well it's not it's like it's a two hundred dollar statue oh I see yeah so we failed to address that. And to recognize that, so I just wanted to apologize. I apologize as well. I yeah, I did not see the connection at the time. I see that now. Um, I do remember saying that. Um, well, uh, hopefully, at least we answered it with some satisfaction. Uh, what was my statue of choice? Was it a tungsten Winston Churchill or some, some <laughs> it, such thing? It was, yeah. Okay. Um, and yours was um, was yours marble? Uh, concrete. Con- oh, concrete. Yeah. Oh, what's the guy's name? It's from Undertale. Papyrus papyrus that's right and yeah. i have started playing undertale and oh, it is good. it is an amazing game yeah I'm, I'm glad you're enjoying it charmingly weird <laughs> charming charmingly bizarre it is it is 
Um, yeah, it's a fun experience. So we actually have a question from Jimmy. Same Jimmy as before? Same Jimmy as before. I, okay. I'll, I'll let you know if it's a different Jimmy. <laughs> yeah. it's okay, good. Fr- Jimmy, friend of the show, as right, opposed friend. to the Jimmy that's an enemy of the show. Ah, that's good. Good distinction. Yeah. So Jimmy asks, what is the most important decision you've made in your life? And he says, I want to be clear that important does not imply good or bad. It can have a good outcome or a bad outcome. Just has an outcome that affected your life in the most meaningful way for better or worse. Okay, so I take it, so Jimmy likes clear communication here. Mm -hmm. I take it he does not expect us to be able to pinpoint the exact event that, um, that had the most meaningful outcome, but instead wants us to give the indicate the event that best we know has the most meaningful outcome because certainly whatever we pick will be wrong probably yeah Um, there's just too many events too many things have happened and i i would imagine that the event that had the most meaningful effect on my life i probably don't know what event that is and it's probably something really mundane like taking a left instead of a right yeah that's true and and Um, remember this is a decision not just an event well okay sure so deciding to take a left instead of a right. right so like right. I'm in, yeah, I'm in the supermarket and if I had, I don't know, decided to pick up the first box of Triscuits instead of the second box of Triscuits, you know, something crazy might've happened or, yeah. or maybe something crazy did happen because <laughs> I picked up the second box of Triscuits instead of the first. You, and that you, was the you, most meaningful decision. You know, I, I think most, you, you probably made an alternate universe when you did that. Uh, yeah, maybe. Yeah, I know. Yeah. That would be pretty meaningful if my picking up a box of Triscuits uh, brought an entire universe into existence. I mean, yeah. can't get much more meaningful than that. No, that's true. Um, all right. So, <laughs> all right. So, yeah, maybe we should try and answer the question now. Um, that's a good idea. Yeah. What do, what do you have? Do you have thoughts? Yeah, I do. So, I, I did think a bit about this. Um, as a as a Christ follower, it's very easy to say that deciding to um, put my faith in Christ and, and follow him is the most important decision I've made. Um, but it also kind of feels like a cop out to the question. It's, it's kind of like, <laughs> what, what, right. what's the bell? What's the bell? Well, okay. So many of our listeners are Christians and I I entirely expect some of them to want to know whether you think that you decided to have faith uh, in yeah, Christ. Yeah, that's that's the other thing is I actually don't want to get into that. Well, I know, but that's yeah, okay, but that's okay. why I hit the bell. I mean, yeah, so did okay. you did you decide or did you receive faith in Christ? Oh man, you, and you don't have to answer right yeah, now. Just, yeah, just just say you don't know. That's fine. I I believe that I decided. Okay. Yeah, but I don't. I think there's. I think there's two sides, and and I have some agreement with both of them. So okay, that's a. I think that's a that's a tricky one. Yeah, but super I, tricky. I still would say that I decided. Yeah. Okay. But all all, right. all that said, um, it's kind of like if you ask a Christian what their favorite book is, they're going to say the Bible. Um, but so you really want to know what their second favorite book is, um, and so in that sense, I would say the most important decision I've made is the decision to have children. Now, the the first thought or the first go-to would be, well, why not the decision to get married? 
And to that, I would say, well, I've, I kind of already for a very long time had the notion that I would get married someday. And so deciding to marry a particular person, while a very big decision, um, I don't know. It wasn't, I don't think it was the most important in that sense. Um, but I think, and it is, getting married is definitely life-changing. Uh, but I think having children is even more so. So I think that's a really good answer. I, yeah. yeah. Yeah, both of those are called transformative experiences, uh, according to some people who study um, knowledge and decision-making. And the reason these are called transformative experiences is because um, they are thought to transform you in such a way that you can have experiences that previously you would not be able to understand or grasp. And so what this, this, is, this is notable because... Um, one way we make decisions and one way we make responsible decisions is by anticipating what the fruit of that decision will be and what it will be like after we made that decision. But if, if on the other side of the decision are experiences that we can't grasp or understand, then it makes it really difficult to, to, to make the decision in the first place. And so I think, yeah, just that alone, the fact that having children and getting married are both transformative experiences makes makes both of them really good candidates uh, for an answer to this question and having children you know yeah i mean i think that's a great answer yeah i think i think i've i've definitely would say i'm i have been changed quite a bit by being married but i would say i've been changed and still being changed even more by becoming a father yeah no doubt no doubt um how about you so my answer is actually going to be getting married. I, I had another answer that I toyed with, uh, which was back a long time ago now. I, I left um, the south, southeast of the United States and ran off to the southwest of the United States, ran off to California. And that, that took my life in a direction that I did not think it would, would go and has, you know, really... You know, based on just like looking back, based on the sort of like narrative of my life, um, you know, is the reason why I'm I'm doing what I do today. It's the reason why we're friends, for instance, why mm-hmm. we have a podcast. Um, it's the reason I met my wife, not only because of where I ended up traveling after California, but because of like how my wife and I met. Like we met because of the sorts of things that I do now because of stuff that happened in California, right? So, I mean, there's there's a strong argument to be made, or at least an allure, there's an argument that has a certain allure to it that if I hadn't left the Southeast, then, uh, you know, all, all these pieces of my life and all these pieces of, like, who I am now as a person would, would be missing. Now, the reason I didn't pick that one is because, for all I know, like, all of those things would have happened anyways, and it just would have looked a little bit different. It just would have been a little bit, a little bit different of a path for me to get there. But the same sort of things would have happened. Um, who knows, right? So this this brings us back to the sort of Triscuit uh, Triscuit uh, uh, puzzle, where you know maybe it's pulling the box of Triscuits off the shelf is what changed your life, you know, in this meaningful way. Not running off across the country. Yeah, um, it's it's the uh, the butterfly effect, right? The, yeah, from, yeah, that's from yeah, uh, Ray Bradbury's story, The Sound right. of Thunder. Right. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, you step on a butterfly and it ripples through time, mm-hmm. changing everything. Um, mm-hmm. so, th- so then marriage, though, 
clear. So I think because of marriage being this transformative experience and just, I don't know what marriage has done to me, uh, all good things. Um, it, it is more clear to me that I am justified in believing that getting married to my wife, um, is the most meaningful event than it is any other event in my life. Um, so I think that's definitely the answer. Uh, just there, there are things that could not have happened to me, um, or ways that I've changed and grown and, you know, what have you, that just would have been seemed, seemed to me to have, would have been impossible without first getting married and second getting married to Gloria. So, hmm. um, that's, seems like that's the right answer to me though. It's probably something more like I happen to decide to look to the left instead of the right first when coming to a four way stop. But you know, that's still my answer. Yeah. I think that's a pretty good answer. And, uh, and thank you, Jimmy. That was a great question. Thank you, Jimmy. So we've got another question here from someone that you know. Oh, okay. Um, I do know this person. I, so I don't know if they gave us permission for their name. Uh, so just sort of st- sidestepping that. So we need to call them something. So we're just going to, we're just going to call them Bob. Okay. Uh, yeah. Let's call them Bob. And yeah, so I do, I do know this person that uh, they also use masculine pronouns in their email. So that makes me think the combination of my knowing them and the fact that they use masculine pronouns makes me think that Bob is probably an appropriate, uh, pseudonym for them, but whatever. Okay. So, um, yeah. So, so oh, go Bob, ahead. Yeah. Bob had it. He, he sent an email through the contact form for my website. So he had a few things. I'll just, uh, it was quite a lengthy and thorough email and I will not be reading it all. But he he did say, hi, Aaron and Gordon. Thanks for your latest episode. I both enjoyed it and appreciate your willingness to discuss such difficult issues toward the end. Um, And he had some feedback as far as his thoughts on live audiences, jingles and sound effects and things of that nature. And then he had had something to say about gratuitous evil um, that perhaps... You, sh- I think you should address that one since you talked about that last time. And um, let me read, let me read what he said here. Even if there is no logical contradiction in terms, can Gordon tell me why we shouldn't think that there is too much evil in the world? Further, what if I don't feel better by uh, retreating to something like the fact that I just can't understand why God would allow this much evil? Can't he just say more than it's a mystery here? Um, and before you answer, I do want to get a definition of gratuitous evil as well. Okay, so gratuitous evil is evil that isn't required to have a great world. Um, so this is in contrast to evil that is required to have a great world. So the reason this is significant is you might think, well, if some amount of evil or some instance of evil were required to have the best world, let's say, then that evil would be justified. Um, but if if the evil isn't required and is therefore gratuitous or extra, then that evil um, would would be unjustified. And the, the thought is that God would not allow unjustified evil. Hmm, okay, I got it, I got it. Okay, so, so that's... Gratuitous evil is going to be extra evil. So you can think of leaving a tip for your server. Um, this is this is gratuity, and it's meant to be right. extra above and beyond you know what you pay for your meal. So would you say it's unnecessary? Yeah, that's a good word for it. Unnecessary evil. 
Okay. And so the reason this gratuitous evil is thought to be a problem is that God, by definition, is um, all-powerful, all-knowing, and all-good, or perfectly powerful, perfectly knowing, perfectly good, however you want to cast that. Um, And a being like this wouldn't allow extra evil. A being like this, if a being like this would allow evil at all, would only allow enough evil to get the good stuff. And, and so then if there's extra evil, then this, this being, this, this God being who's all powerful, all knowing and all good doesn't exist. And that's, that's a rough summary of, of the argument. Mm -hmm. Um, So one, one thought that comes to mind is, uh, and maybe you're going to address this is how do you know if an evil is a gratuitous evil? Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to talk about that in a minute. Okay. Um, Okay. But I, so I actually want to ask you before we get into some of that, um, mm-hmm. how, how does this strike you? Uh, do you, do you, is this, is this the sort of objection that you worry about? Uh, yeah, it is, it is something I think about. Um, and I think, though I, I think I've come up with answers for it, or I think at least I'm, I believe there is a good answer for it. Uh, but it is, it is a struggle and it's something that when faced with evil, um, a question that I find myself asking. Okay. Oh, good. Um, yeah, I find that in some circles, this question doesn't get the attention it deserves. I, I, so I'm of two minds on this point. You know, on, on the one hand, I don't think this is the problem that it gets played up to be by some, you know, atheists in popular media. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, I, I think when somebody brings this objection forth, they should be taken seriously and they should be engaged with in a like meaningful, thoughtful way. And that so often does not happen in, in my experience with Christians um, of, you know, of, of whom I am among. Right. So. Right. Uh, yeah. So it's, you know, and I guess the reason, I mean, two reasons why it's important to engage on this topic in, in like a thoughtful, meaningful and kind way is, you know, one, it, the, the objection has a ton of intuitive appeal. Like, you think you think about like the bad things that happen in the world. It's almost immediate. Like you feel the tension between that and the existence of God. I mean, mm-hmm. and this is and this is also present in the scriptures too. I mean, you, like you look at Job and the things that Job's friends say, and the you know what Job you know isn't Job's wife you know curse God and die. Yeah. Um, like yeah. I mean, this this is not this is this is not an unintuitive objection. Like this makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Like when you first roll this out. Um, and the second thing is, is that a lot of times people are asking this question is because they've experienced suffering and we should be tending to those who experience suffering, not, you know, um, reprimanding them for, you know, for their hubris before God. I mean, that's, ah, oh, that's, that's such a frustrating response when I hear that. Yeah, when I, yeah. Oh man. So it's a, often it's a very personal or it can be a deeply personal question. It can um, be. Yeah. And should be handled with care and sensitivity. So I teach people. So sometimes I teach on these things. And uh, one of the things that I say is if if somebody brings you this question, the first and maybe the only thing you should do is is give them a hug and ask them if they're okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so often I've seen, I've seen these discussions go so poorly where somebody brings this forward and there's a little bit of a discussion and then it comes out, something terrible has happened to this person. And that's really what this conversation is about. 
Yeah. And so just better to skip the academic stuff, give them a hug and have a real conversation with them. And yeah. that's, let's do that instead. Um, there's something that I've heard Ravi Zacharias say that I really appreciate. And he says, he reminds his listeners or um, people he's teaching to that, um, that they're answering a person and not a question. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Um, yeah, no, that's good. So, all right. But there is, there is a question to be answered here. Right. And so let's, let's talk about that now. Um, so, okay. So then, you know, Bob is asking what, what more can we say than it's just a mystery. And, and he also used the word retreat, uh, here. He said, what if I don't feel better by retreating to something like the fact that I just can't understand why God would allow this much evil? Mm. Can't, can't he say something more than it's a mystery here? And the he here, I think is supposed to be me. So, yeah. Okay, so to answer this, I'm going to I'm going to sort of lay out um a very simplified account of the discussion that that's going on here. So, when you have these big philosophical theological issues, it's oftentimes helpful to think of them as a discussion. And you'll hear people talk about the discussion that's happening in the literature or the discussion between these people. Um and that's because we're all engaged in this pursuit of of knowledge and of truth and um, and we do that by, you know, through discourse and conversations, through podcasts, through writing articles and blogs and responding. And, and so the discussion here about evil goes something like this. Um, you know, the, we'll, we'll just call them the atheist and the, the theist. Um, the, the atheist says, well, there's too much evil. Um, God doesn't exist. And the theist says, well, well why do you say that? Like, why, why do you think there's too much evil? And the atheist says, well, because it's obvious. Um, can't you see it? Um, if God is really powerful and really good, uh, then there would be less evil than what there is. Um, so God doesn't exist. And, and to which the, you know, the theist then is going to respond, well, it's, it's not obvious to me. Um, it's not obvious to me that God's being really powerful and really good secures a creation without the evil we see in reality. Um, and, and so then it's, it's appropriate for the theist to say, you know, I need you to tell me more to sort of motivate this idea. And it's not uncommon and not, not even inappropriate for the, the, the atheist to respond to that point and say, well, if you don't see it, then there's really not much I can say to get you to see it. You either see it or you don't. Mm. Um, so let me just pause for a second. Like, how does that, do you see sort of the, the nature of the dialectic there? Yeah. Um, yeah, I understand. And I've seen, I think per- personally, I've seen conversations like this unfold, and I've definitely listened to a lot of conversations like this and debates and things like that. Right. And yeah, so then, you know, what's what's happening here is you have two people that have this, this reaction to evil um, that motivates them differently. Yeah. And it um, seems like they're both looking at things from a di- very different viewpoint. Yeah, I think so. Um, I I think I'm not sure viewpoints the right word. I struggle Probably to not. come. Well, I struggle to come up with a better one though. Um, but there's there's something importantly different going on here, and um, I think we can get at it with a little little argument here um, that goes goes like this. And so, uh, listeners, if you'll just humor me um, and take take for the sake of argument that the following is true. Uh, imagine that God does exist, but that evil exists also. Okay. 
then that that we're going to have is sort of like an assumption. Um, mm-hmm. Now, now the second thing I want to say, I think we can all get on board with, which is that an all good, all powerful, all knowing God would only allow evil if there were a really good reason for it. And by really good reason, I just mean a reason that all good people would accept. Um, so that that seems like something that everybody having the discussion can get behind. Um, yeah. Well, I would, the com- I would think so. Yeah. Okay. All right. Good. Um, so the combination of God exists and evil exists and an all good, all powerful, all knowing God would only allow evil if there were a really good reason for it. The combination of these two gets us um, the the following. God has a really good reason for evil, right? Now, of course, that only follows if our first assumption is in fact true that God exists and evil exists. Um, but set that aside for a second. Like, no one needs to write to me and tell me that I'm assuming that God's, God exists in this argument. We are assuming it for the sake of argument. That doesn't mean it's true. We're just assuming it. Right. But, but if we assume that, and we assume the second premise as well about God having a good reason for evil, then it follows that God has a really good reason for evil. So then here's, here's the interesting bit. Something else follows also, and this is a weaker claim. It follows that if God exists and evil exists, then God has a really good reason for evil. And that's that claim, I think, is really important in this discussion. Now, before I say more about that, let me let me pause again. Um, do you do you have comments or questions about this? Does that follow, seem about right to you? Yeah, I'm definitely following along. I think then the gut response to that is, how could there be a good reason for evil? Yes. So you're getting a little ahead of me, but that's good. Um, yeah. So the, yeah, so then, okay, so, yeah, before we talk about that portion of it, the, the work that this argument with this assumption, what it does is it, is it says, okay, well, if God exists and evil exists, then God has a really good reason for evil. Yeah. And the extent to which you agree with that is the extent to which um, you're, you're not going to think that evil the existence of evil is going to is going to be evidence that God doesn't exist. And it seems like it's, you know, this if God exists and evil exists, then God has a really good reason for evil. It seems like that's really easy to accept and it's really hard to deny. Um, yeah. E- whether you're an atheist and, or a theist. And I think that's a I don't know if I've ever heard it presented that way. Um but I think that's a really compelling argument and interesting way to look at it. So then the next step of this is, is what you just suggested a second ago, uh, which is that, you know, well, maybe they can just deny that God could have a really good reason for evil, or maybe they can just deny that God has a really good reason for the evil that we see in reality. Um, and that's exactly right. Like that's, that is the next step of this. That's the next portion of the discussion. Um, you know, we begin in part one with just sort of this battle of intuitions in part two, we agree that if God exists and evil exists, then God would have a really good reason for evil. And then this brings us to the, the last part, which is we start having a discussion about whether or not God could have a really good reason for the evil that we see in reality. Because if it's impossible, then it follows that God doesn't exist because we know that evil exists. Um, so it would follow that God doesn't. Um, but so, But then the question becomes like, how do you motivate that God couldn't have a really good reason for evil. Now, is that what is, am I capturing sort of what you were thinking when you made the comment about the reasons earlier? Yeah. Re- repeat that one more time for me. Sure. Sure. 
So we get in this like final part of the discussion, we come to this. Yeah. Um, it, it all comes down to, uh, is it possible for God to have a really good reason for evil? Right. Um, or at least, uh, again, I need to be careful here. It's not just having a really good reason. Uh, it's not just having a really good reason for evil. It's having a really good reason for the evil that we know about in reality. Um, like the real evil, like the Holocaust and stubbing my toe. Yeah, not um, just the concept of evil itself. Right, not just some evil, but the evil that we see and the evil that we have good reason to think is happening and exists. Um, and so, yeah, so then this is the question. Um, and this is where the the real discussion begins in my mind is, uh, could God have a really good reason for this? And um, this is this is what most of philosophy of religion is about, or at least a very, very large portion of it. Is, is discussing this question. Could God have a reason for this? And as it turns out, it's extremely difficult to show that God couldn't have a really good reason for evil or couldn't have a really good reason for the evil that's, um, that surrounds us. Hmm. And um, because of the difficulty of showing this, um, you know, it, it leaves theists in a, in, in a pretty secure position in terms of accepting that you know evil and god both exist not knowing why it exists but believing that you know there's some good reason for it um so yeah yeah so that's uh, you go you go ahead uh, yeah i i was just gonna say that's uh yeah i think that's good um and also for the sake of not uh not dwelling too long on this i think it's good to wrap that here and leave it open and i I'm sure we'll get some questions or some response um, or just talk more about this later. But um, yeah, I think that was, hopefully that sufficiently answers Bob's question. Uh, I, I think it, I think it does. So I, I doubt it does. Well, but it's, I, 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 I guess it addresses it and then leads it to further questions. <laughs> yeah. That's the hope is that it brings more clarity in terms of, what I'm saying, like, I'm not just saying, well, I'm not just shrugging my shoulders and saying, yeah, who knows there's evil, but like, I don't know, not a big deal or something like, you know, whatever. I mean, not that, not that Bob would say it like that. And he's not, he's very respectful and, um, thinks very hard about these things, mm -hmm. but you know, the, the burden is to show that God couldn't have a reason for the evil that exists and we can feel like he couldn't but it's really hard to show why that feeling is justified. Mm -hmm. And so then it's okay. Like if I, if I believe that God exists, it's okay for me to think, well, if God exists and there is a reason. And likewise, if, if somebody doesn't believe that God exists, I suppose it's okay for them to think, well, there isn't a reason. Um, and, and then the discussion kind of goes from there. So, all right. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. we'll, we'll finish this discussion on another episode. Bob had other things to say about, uh, mostly about suffering, but I think we'll talk about them at a later time. Okay. And so now let's go on to topics. I topics. Think you, I think you had something you wanted to talk about, Gordon. So I do. I So there's there's a dispute between Apple and Facebook that's going on right now that's somewhat fascinating. And Ooh. so, yeah, this is, but, this is really cool. Yeah, go on. So... Okay, so first some background. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna set this up and then I'll explain what happened. Um, so the first thing to understand, okay, so we have these technology ecosystems that have 
been developing for many, many years. Um, so Apple has an ecosystem. Google has one. Amazon, Facebook, like all these companies have ecosystems that they curate. And um, one one aspect of Apple's ecosystem is the way that it controls um, applications on your phone. Um, it does some of this on the Mac, but it's much, much more strict. And it's the, the control that Apple exercises on the phone is much more severe. So uh, this this sort of control, like we're all, mo- most of the people, but most people will be familiar with this. Um, it's that you can't put an application on your phone unless you download it through the App Store. Now, the App Store is over 10 years old now, and I think people have gotten pretty used to it. Um, and it's not, maybe doesn't even come to mind that there's something odd about it. Yeah. Um, but it is, in fact, a, a little weird that I have this computer and I can't put anything on it unless I, I get it from Apple's store. Right. Uh, now, there are ways to work around that, but for the most part, that's how people operate. There are ways, but the ways are extremely difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, so, well, let me let me bracket that. So the ways to work around it without Apple's permission are extremely difficult to pull off and get broken by software updates. So there are ways to do what's called jailbreaking. You can jailbreak yeah. your phone and you can do whatever you want with it. But then as soon as Apple updates, you know, the the OS or the firmware, um, your jailbreak, your, your, your phone gets unjailbroken or gets bricked as they call it where the phone just stops working yeah. and so these are these are risky things to do mm-hmm. um the the way you can do it with apple's permission though and this is where the story is going is you can uh you can get a developer account with apple and in doing so you get um you you gain a way to sideload apps onto your phone for the sake of designing programs this is something apple wants people to do because this is a way they make money and a way they, you know, support and keep their ecosystem healthy is by having people write programs for the phone that then Apple can distribute. And if you buy one of these apps, Apple gets a cut of the, of the, of what you pay, of what the, the consumer pays for that app. Right. So you, so you want to be able to test and develop your app, uh, even though it's not officially on available through Apple yet. Exactly. Um, and so the way all of this is controlled is through something called a certificate. And the way these certificates work is similar to way, uh, the way a like permit would work. So um, let's say I wanted to go give, I don't know, give a speech in the public square. Um, well, in some places, I'd have to get a permit to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then I would have to go and say, hey, I want to I have this event where I give this like really long speech. Um, I'd like to get a permit. And they then give me a piece of paper and then I go make my, you know, start giving my speech. Uh, police show up and they go, oh, do you have a permit? And I go, I do. Here's my permit. And then they let me keep speaking. And so something similar here happens with apps. Apps have certificates. And um, when you try and open an app, the phone connects to Apple servers and the servers go, hey, app, you know, do you have a certificate? And the app pre- presents its credentials. And if it has them, the app runs. If it doesn't, then the OS shuts down the app and it won't work. Um, so this is really good because this means that viruses, it's going to be really hard for someone to put a virus on your phone because the virus isn't going to have a certificate because you only get certificates from Apple and Apple isn't going to give a certificate to a virus mm-hmm. um, to allow it to, to run on your phone. So um, just one just of make- the One of the many things that make Apple 
products or devices much safer to use. Um, yes, exactly. Right. So it's going to be really hard to get a virus onto an iPhone. Um, so, okay. So then some of these permits are given to developers so that they can develop their apps in their own home mm-hmm. and they use the certificate and it works on their phone or it works on several of their devices, um, but wouldn't work um, if they put it on too many devices. And so, um, like you said, this is good because development is important to the ecosystem. All right. Right. Another another case where this happens, where you have these extra certificates, is um, when you have a big company that does a lot of internal development and a lot of research that requires special apps that just have no business being in the consumer sphere. And so let's just use Microsoft as an example. Say Microsoft is developing a bunch of iOS apps. Well, they would then get uh, an enterprise certificate that they can use en masse to develop their apps and test them with their employees. Um, Something else they can do with this app is they can design um, company-specific apps that don't get distributed through the App Store by Apple, but instead get get distributed by like Microsoft HR. So this might be a company directory. It might be a way to order food. It might be a way to log um, log your hours or communicate in some way with uh, team members. Um, all kinds of stuff. You so know, all, all... And, and Apple hands those handles those the same way, or how does how does that work? Well, so the way that works is, so with a normal consumer app, the developer will submit the app to the app store, um, Apple will review it. And if they sign off, they'll, you know, put a, put a permit in the app, put it in the app store, and then you download it on your phone. The way, the way these work is Apple gives Microsoft, um, the certificate and then Microsoft is able to then develop their own apps and then take that certificate themselves and put it into the app and then distribute it to their employees. And so Apple, once Apple hands off the certificate, um, you know, it's up to Microsoft to, to do the distribution. Now, Apple's still involved because the certificate still, or the, the, the Apple, the iOS on your phone, still phones home to Apple servers. And the Apple servers have to verify that the certificate, that, that there is a valid certificate present. Otherwise, the OS shuts down the app. So these these enterprise apps that Microsoft is distributing using the enterprise certificate still have to have their certificate verified. Um, but the app doesn't have to go through the App Store anymore. It can be distributed by Microsoft itself. Got it. Okay. So, yeah. So these things are really helpful, really important. Okay. Now here's the drama. Yes. Tell so, Get to the drama here. Oh, boy. Okay. So... I think it was about a year ago, Facebook came out with an app and it, it got into the app store that was a VPN. So a VPN is a virtual private network. It's a, mm-hmm. it does something called tunneling where it allows you to exchange data without anybody in between seeing it. So without your internet provider seeing your data, right? It's and like a little personal internet connection. Yeah. That goes outside of your house. Yeah. And Normally, we, you know, people use these to keep their data safe. So let's say um, you and I wanted to exchange, you know, our show content, but we didn't want Time Warner or Spectrum to, to see what we were talking about. We could use a VPN to send our documents back and forth and they wouldn't be able to see, you know, what we're doing. Right. And that would, I, that would protect our data. I actually use a VPN with work. So these are really important. Well, Facebook's VPN software 
was a little bit different. It, what it did was the software monitored all of your web traffic coming out of your phone and funneled it to Facebook. Wow. And so the opposite of protecting your data and you know, they, so this was on the app store. It violates Apple's uh, privacy restrictions. So Apple Mm -hmm. has really strict privacy rules. And one of the rules is that apps can't collect data like this on mass and send it back to headquarters. So Apple, once they figured out what the app was, was doing, you know, they, they pulled it and, you know, told Facebook, no, you know, very, very clearly documented rules. Facebook tried to get away with it and they failed. Now, now was this, uh, was this just the regular Facebook app or was this an internal app that they were using? This neither. So this was a, um, this wasn't the regular Facebook app. It was an app that was in the app store. So it wasn't internal. Okay. Okay. This was just, just a normal app. So this is setting up the real drama that's, I'm going to talk about in a second. Okay. But it was um, a separate, it wasn't just their normal app. It was a separate thing. Right. That's right. Okay. So it was a piece of, it was a VPN app. Gotcha. And, Got it. But okay. what it did was instead of, you know, establishing a secure connection for you to transfer files to your buddy, it established a secure connection to Facebook and sent Facebook all of your like internet habits. Oh man. Okay. And so you log into your email, you go read tech journalism, you're like on the verge, you're on daring fireball. You're like looking uh-huh. at all this stuff. It's all getting sent to Facebook and they're getting metrics about what you're doing. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, so, you know, whatever, like, let's just pretend like Facebook's this like wonderful, benevolent force in the tech mm-hmm. universe. Um, it's against, this is against Apple's regulations. And yeah. so this is no, no, no special treatment here. Apple just saw that it violated their, their rules and they removed the app. Yeah. It's pretty, seems pretty cut and dry here. Yeah. So that's just part of being a part of Apple's ecosystem is that you have to follow these rules. Okay. Now, here's what Facebook does. In response to this, they take the app, they give it a new name, they um, give it a new icon, don't change anything else about the underlying code. Oh, man. And then they, they tag it with their enterprise certificate and start offering people $20 a month to put it on their phones outside of the company. Oh, so they're paying people to put them on? Yeah, they're they're paying them. Oh yeah. man, sneaky, sneaky. So and to so to to cast this in the right light, you know, I mean, they're, they're so they're paying the people. They're yeah. telling the people what it's for. They're not yeah. they're not hiding anything about it. Um, but but it's sneak it's sneaky not to the customers per se or the the users, but to Apple itself. Exactly. So yeah, and the way they're doing this because the the phone. The, the apps have to be able to have the certificates verified. And because the app can't go through the app store, Facebook used their certificate that's reserved for internal development and HR purposes to distribute the app to people who, who are outside of Facebook so yeah. they could do this research. And so um, technically, I mean, they could be saying that all these people are in some way employees because they're being paid by Facebook to use this app. So there, yeah, uh, well, yeah, so that, that is something that people have said. Um, but yeah, put a pin in that for a second. Okay. Um, so then what happened was uh, Apple found out that this was happening, that Facebook was using this certificate um, to, to once again distribute this app right. into the public sphere, the general consumer space. And so Apple 
so this this came out and everybody was sort of thinking, well, what's what's Apple going to do? Because Facebook is a behemoth. And right. like, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, uh, this is a clear violation of how you're supposed to use these enterprise certificates. It's not even how you're supposed to use them. I mean, it's a clear violation of the rules, like the written rules, terms and conditions of these certificates. So it comes out, I think this was Tuesday night, the 29th, that it came out that Facebook was doing this. Wednesday morning, Apple hits their big red button and makes the Facebook's enterprise certificate invalid. Oh, so they can't use just that one or any enterprise certificate? The like, the global, they, like globally. Oh, wow. So their entire enterprise um so yeah, I mean, so like, so, like you they think can't that, they can't develop apps basically, right? So so yeah, so this is what happened. Um, Facebook's internal directory app shut down. <laughs> Facebook's food, like you can order food uh, through your iPhone and Facebook and have them have them bring it to you, or they either bring it to you, or you go pick it up. I can't remember which, but you yeah. you do it through your phone. Um, shut down. So they all, all these systems that they have and are using regularly no longer work. Right. As of as of right now, as we're recording, Facebook's iOS development, Facebook's enterprise apps for their for employees' iPhones, none of them work because Apple pulled the certificate. Yeah, Um, talk of this is drama. Yeah, serious (laughs) drama. This is tech drama. Like this is crazy, Um, and it's really bad. So I mean, Facebook this this costs Facebook probably at least a day of productivity. Like they might as well, I mean, I don't know, this is a little dramatic maybe, but uh, may, I don't know. It's hard for me to assess these things, but let's just say like they lost a day of work. It's like That's... they sent all their employees home because this caused chaos inside the company. And knowing how big Facebook is, that's a lot of money lost. Oh, yeah. Um, development time, like their employees are getting paid and can't do what they're supposed to do. And yeah, so this was this was pretty big. And it's I've, I've heard people relate this to uh, like Cold War type of stuff. I mean, you have yeah. these giant companies that are dependent upon one another and Apple fired their missiles. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, wow. So, yeah. So I thought this was pretty interesting. Um, so then, okay. So let me just ask you, like, what do you, what do you think of this? Like, what are your thoughts? You, you hadn't heard about this, had you? No, I hadn't. Not until you told me. Okay. So what do you think? Uh, I'm, I'm with Apple on this. Okay. Um, but I don't know. I I think uh, Facebook is being pretty shady in the way that they're trying to work around and do things, and uh, and knowing Facebook's past already, and you know they've already things that have been revealed about how they operate and the ways that they collect data. Um, I already have a mistrust of Facebook. So whereas like Apple is. Apple's been pretty good as far as standing for user privacy, um, especially as far as like courts demanding that Apple um, unlock people's phones um, or or reveal personal information on people's phones and Apple turning it down. Um, So, yeah, I'd side with Apple on this. Now, what do you make of the idea that Apple has too much power? Yeah, that's they do have a lot of power. and I'm not going to say like I I wholeheartedly put all my trust in Apple either, um, or any company. But um, at least at least from the looks of things right now, like they're they're trying very hard to keep your information secure and encrypted and um, and private. 
whereas Facebook doesn't seem to care nearly as much about that until they're regulated to do so. Yeah, it's it's a tricky issue. I mean, it seems like what Apple's doing is fine. It's like their prerogative to do it this way. And there are yeah. good reasons to do it because it has to do with consumer protection. But on the other hand, like we only feel good about this because ev- or because Apple hasn't done anything evil yet. And, right. Um, that who knows, like what could happen. And so it is frightening when a company has so much power. On the other hand, Apple's market share isn't that big. And so if Apple were to become evil, we could all switch and, you know, get different devices. Um, yeah. Now, there is a cost Apple to that. also has competitors, whereas Facebook, I mean, I mean everyone has competitors, but um, there isn't really another Facebook. That's right. Yeah. So Apple has competition. Facebook doesn't. Facebook's the only game in town. Yeah. Uh, whereas Apple, you know, we, you know, we could all switch. I mean, there's a cost, like it wouldn't be easy to switch. It's not trivial um, because you buy apps and you have devices that only work with Apple products or in the Apple ecosystem and it'd be a huge pain, but it's, it's, you can do it. Um, yeah. Whereas it's if you leave Facebook, right, right. Yeah. If you, um, if you give up Facebook, you're just giving up. It's like saying I'm not using a cell phone anymore. Um, right. Yeah, that's right. Um, so maybe that's maybe that's not exactly right, but um, I don't know that's that's how I'm seeing it right now. Yeah. So Walt Mar- Mossberg had an interesting comment about this on Twitter. He said, "Unlike Facebook, which has no real competition, Apple's app ecosystem is dwarfed by Android and its apps." Hmm. Um, and then he went on to say, "If you prefer much looser enforcement versus bad actors, more malware, less privacy, and a platform maker that itself collects private information by the ton, you have a choice." Um, and this, I think you mentioned this earlier, it's somewhat unfortunate. Like our two choices seem to be this, either you go with, you know, Apple, which is like this dictatorship, um, or you, you go the other way and you have all of your wild west and all of your information is being collected all the time by these companies. And those, I, I can see that that's not ideal. Um, but like you, I, I think I'm on the side of Apple. I'd, I'd rather be on Apple's team right now than the other team. Yeah. Um, so, okay, I, I have a couple more comments, and I, I want to get your thought on this. So Casey Newton of The Verge, or at The Verge, said this, um, uh, but there's an argument for Facebook's kind of research, and I heard it from some of you. One is that it's common, and indeed, by the end of the day, Google had to remove a similar app from its enterprise development program. And so Google was doing the same thing, just by the way. And so Google also had their stuff shut down, but Google and Apple are working together to, to get things, uh, get, get them up and running. Um, uh-huh. Facebook and Apple, I'm sure are too, but it's not as public. Um, so, but what do you make of this, this argument that this is something that's common? Uh, I would agree that it is common. I don't know if that makes it right though. One of the big problems is that um, it's not that there is data collection, but it's that the vast majority of people are unaware that it's happening and if not really do not know that they've consented to it. Ah, okay. This actually brings me to my next question then. Um, but yeah, so I do agree that that is a big problem. I don't think that's the only problem though. Um, and here's, here, here's the next quote. This is also, again, these all are from Casey Newton at The Verge. So Casey said, um, the, the second argument for Facebook's kind of research is that Facebook's program sought and obtained consent from its participants 
and that to say people shouldn't have been able to offer their consent is oddly patronizing. So Mm -hmm. I just want to, so let me say one thing real quick. So uh, I think 5% of the people who were using this Facebook app were under 18, um, but they had consent from their parents. They they had, there was parental consent involved there. Um, what, What do you make of this, this idea that Apple is basically saying you can't consent to be giving up your data. Let's 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 set aside the fact that this is against the uh, against the rules of the certificate, um, and and just talk about whether or not consent would make the difference here. Is is Apple saying that people can't consent to this? Yeah, I th- I think it's hard to set aside the rules of the certificate because that's what seems very underhanded about the whole thing is that Facebook did what they weren't supposed to do got caught and then just said, okay, well, let's work around it and use this other sneaky way of getting it done through uh, through using certificates. I feel like if they'd found another way to do it that was within Apple's regulations, then like that would have been okay. But it's they're, they're abusing how certificates are supposed to be used. For me, it's not as much a matter of consent, um, but nah, that's how I see it. You know, in terms of the actual story and assessing the right or wrongness of what Apple did, I think we need to look at the the conditions under which this certificate was given. And the conditions were clearly violated by Facebook. Yeah. Um, but I do think there's an interesting question here about whether, you know, the consent would have been enough apart from that. And I don't think it would have been. So I think this is a confusion that comes up often. Um, so consent... So... Consent is important, but consent isn't always sufficient. And there's a little bit of difficulty here because maybe consent is sufficient, but maybe sometimes we try to consent and we fail. And so there's different ways to to articulate what's happening here. But importantly, it, it seems like there are lots of cases where the government the uh, the government rightfully doesn't allow people to consent to this or that. And like, so one example is there there are regulations on whether or not you can take go to a lender and say, um, well, I'm getting my paycheck tomorrow. I need you to lend me money in the amount of my paycheck and I'll pay it back to you. Um, there, there's regulations on this sort of practice because it, it turns out that in a lot of cases, it's really harmful. Like the people that are doing this um, aren't going to be able to pay the money back and they end up in this downward spiral, d- downward financial spiral mm-hmm. where they're always going to the lender and they always owe money and it just keeps increasing. And so there's regulation on this. Right. And, and that's kind of, it, it goes back to the whole um, the housing market crash and all that is um, a, a lack of regulations and people being able to do things that end up being harmful for everyone. Right. Yes. Um, same with healthcare. I mean, there's, mm-hmm. uh, this is important in the, the healthcare debate. You know, some people want to say, well, if I if I consent to not having insurance, well, that's just my business. And the other side of that is, sure, you consent to not having health care. But if something happens to you, you're going to get treatment and you're not going to have enough money to pay for it. And the rest of us are going to have to pay for it instead. And and so, yeah, I, I think it's just important to point out that consent is not like I think I think Casey is entirely wrong to say um, that Apple is being oddly patronizing here. That as you pointed out, um, when you pointed out the rules and regulations, like it's really hard to set that aside. Uh, But even if we do set that aside, there's so much more going on beyond um, the consent issue. Like just because you consent to having your data collected is not going to make it okay 
for, for a company to collect it in all circumstances. It's just going to be way more complicated than that. Yeah. Um, it, it is really complicated, and a lot of it comes back to like how much how much government control and regulation is too much or is it actually needed and parts of there's a certain part of just living in a society under a government where regulations are required in order for everyone to be healthy and safe right right um but then there's there's also a point where it gets to uh repression of freedom and so the big discussion is where is that line and that's not easy yeah exactly there's an exchange of liberty for safety and goods and Mm -hmm. What that exchange looks like is hard, but you know we have, yeah, we're we're doing something right given the circumstances in which we live in and all of our listeners live in. I mean, we have great lives because of this exchange. Um, so, okay, the last thing, um, and this is what you said. There, there's an argument basically that because the people were getting paid, because they consented, and because they're getting paid, um, that these individuals were contractors, and so that. And in virtue of them being contractors, maybe that sidesteps the the regulations of the enterprise certificate. Um, so I don't know what the wording of the certificate regulations is or are or what, whatever the correct uh, verb there is. Um, but I don't think it's right to call these people contractors. Yeah. You know, I, I don't think they were filing 1099s. I don't think, um, you know, you know, self-employment tax, like whatever, like. They're, they they were just people that you know sign up for something and and then get paid yeah um, and that's it like it seems very misleading to think of this as 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 contracting I I think you're right I think it's very loose as far as considering someone like that an actual employee or contractor of Facebook um, so like it's I don't think it's fair to say anyone a company gives money to is now somehow in an employee of that company um, because there's, it's just too loose of a definition for me, I think. Yeah, I agree. Um, okay. Well, well, that's, that's all really I had to say. Um, actually I have a lot more to say, but we're running. Oh, I'm, too sure. Long. <laughs> yeah, I just, I'm sure. Uh, I, I just, I, go ahead. I did maybe, I don't know whether we should talk about this now, but this is similar in that, um, the State Farms Drive Safe and Save program, which uh, in in brief, what, what they do is they give you a little chip that you put in your car and um, it doesn't it, it doesn't track supposedly, according to the representative my wife talked to, it doesn't track your location, but it tracks um, your speed and uh, like how fast and when you're making turns. Uh, and re- and gives that back to State Farm that information. And for for having this in your car, you get a significant discount to your driver's insurance. And, yeah. And so like we we struggled with this, and and I just said I it's pretty nice saving money, but I just don't feel right about putting some device in my car that's tracking me. Yeah, that's it's that's hard. I uh, yeah. So they say it's not tracking your location and. I don't know. I mean, there's so much data that it would be collecting and I've become paranoid. I mean, I've seen and I'm continuing to see what machines can do with large amounts of data and it's like magic and it's terrifying. Yeah. And And you hear stories all the time of companies saying, oh no, we're not getting that information when in fact they are getting that information or they get enough 
other information, um, and based on the other information, they can infer and deduce deduce extra information that you haven't given them. Yeah, no, it's it's just like bonkers. I mean, you uh, what was it? Um, basically, I think it was Google. It was either Google or Amazon. I think it was Google. Google knew what you were buying at Target with no access to your credit card information or purchasing records. It it had some really disturbingly high success rate at predicting what you were buying when it saw that you went to Target. And it's crazy. And it's all based on these enormous amounts of data. Mm -hmm. That's really scary. Um, So something else. So Ring, the Amazon, which is an Amazon company, Mm. um, it came out that the you know ring which is a, a camera doorbell that you put on yep. your front door yep there was the 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 ring ukraine office had unrestricted access to all of the the ring video feeds oh <laughs> like oh. this came out it was oh so they could just look through anyone's camera if yeah they wanted to. that's yeah. right that's why I don't have any of that stuff in my house. Yeah, thankfully it was you know just you know outside of the house, but um, I don't know Still. Nest. You know I don't know if anything similar was happening with Nest, but Nest is also owned by Amazon. So I mean, I don't know. Like this yeah. stuff, this stuff is frightening. Um, yeah. Well, and- even even just being able to see who's coming in and out of your house is a pretty big deal. Oh sure, just just maybe not as big of a deal as having them be able to see you like walk around your house, yeah. and you get out of the shower or something. But, you're yeah. right, you're right. But it is. A I mean, big that's deal. that something someone could just stake out your house if they want to as well. There's nothing stopping that from happening. Sure, sure. Um, so yeah, this yeah this stuff's really interesting. So I think going back to State Farm, I think if I were to have that in my car, I would have to just come come to grips with the fact that State Farm. I would have to accept the possibility that State Farm just knows where I'm going all of the time, and just be okay with that. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, final final story here. Um, okay. okay, I'm sorry. Two more. Oh man, we're just a long podcast. That's okay. Okay, okay. <laughs> this right. this is a special here. This is a special. That's right. Um, so just one more bit of tech theater. Um, Apple also this week it came out that there was a bug in group FaceTime. Have you heard about this? No, I haven't. Oh, this is crazy too. This is this is this is kind of a problem. So. It turns out, and you can't do this anymore right now, but it turns out that uh, ever since they activated group FaceTime, which was end of September, there's been a bug where you can FaceTime somebody, and if if while it's ringing, you then add that same person to a group FaceTime call, you will immediately be able to hear everything that's going in to that person's iPhone's microphone. So you could hear everything that's being said. It gets worse. Now let's say that person decides they don't want to talk to you. Not only have you heard them say, oh, I don't want to talk to this person. They annoy me. Well, when they when they hit the side button to silence their phone, you then have access to everything that's coming in through their video camera. Oh, wow. Since September, this has been possible. Um, oh. So bad. Yeah, this is a crazy bad bug in yeah. group FaceTime. Um, so I guess this got reported uh, last week. So it was uh, the week of January 28th, 21st, something like that. I guess it was, yeah, the week of uh, the 21st of January. This got reported by some somebody and um, Apple sat on it until just a couple of days ago. 
Now, okay, so that's a little that's a little uh, um, jaded to say it that way. So it's not like they sat on it. I take it what really happened is they get an enormous amount of um, these like security and bug reports, and it just takes time to filter through them all. But I'm sure. Yeah. Um, so what, whatever happened, you know, that part of it, you know, maybe Apple gets a pass on. But to have a bug like this in the first place is a pretty big deal. Though bugs, you're never going to develop software without bugs. That's just a thing. Um, yep. And and once it hit the media, Apple shut down group FaceTime on the server side uh, within a couple hours, which is that's a pretty good response time. But man, this is a big, big bug. So, but no longer exploitable, and they're patching it next week. And um, as of right now, you just can't use group FaceTime. So. Oh, there you go. Yep. Uh, yeah, it's, I mean, I, I don't want to, that's really serious, but also I don't know if there's anything Apple could have done about that um, because bugs just happen and that's the the, pack, the fact that they're like unexpected um, is what makes them a bug. Right, right. Okay, last thing. Um, okay. Well, so while I was traveling, I, uh, well, my wife and I, we borrowed someone's car and this just has to do with all the privacy stuff. We borrowed uh-huh. it, and we had been using it for a couple of days just to run errands. No, no big deal. Uh, but it was something like the second or third day, uh, Gloria goes, she's like, what's what's that? And she points to behind the rearview mirror, which had been blocked from my view when I was driving. And I, I lean over, and I look, and there's a little, a little screen um, with the outside of the car, like the front of the car on it. And I realize that it's a video camera that, you know, and I, and I take a closer look and I see it is, there's a video camera and it's recording everywhere that I'm driving. And it's the, the microphone is turned on and the microphone is in the inside of the car. Oh, wow. And so this car for the past several days had been recording everywhere we were driving and all of our conversations. Was this a rented car or a friend's car? No, it was a, it was a friend of mine's car. Okay. But they didn't tell us that this was happening. And did you did you talk to them about it? I did. Um, and I, I mean, it's not like we have anything to hide, but we also have like private, important private conversations. I mean, yeah. everything you talk to your spouse about, you don't want everyone else hearing. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I was just, I was just like, hey, if you don't mind, this makes me really uncomfortable. Um, I'd appreciate it if you, you know, erase this or whatever. And they, you know, the individual was very nice about it, you know, apologized that they didn't tell us, you know, and they, they have it there for the similar reasons as what you were talking about with State Farm. It's it's to get a discount on their car insurance. Yeah. Um, I think. Actually, that may not be right, but it's at least there in case they get in an accident. Um, they'll be able to just pull out the recording and say, look, like, it's not my fault, mm-hmm. um, assuming it's not their fault. So, but anyway, they're, yeah, they were very nice. They said they would delete it, but it was, yeah, but it was very um, so is, creepy to, ha- is the, to find that The out. information was actually going to the person or was it going to the company? Oh, no. So it's, there was a SD card. Okay. Yeah. Oh, so, so it was writing it to an SD card. Wow. Right. Yeah. I mean, if I had been a bit more bold and if this hadn't been somebody that I trusted, I would have taken the SD card. Yeah. But I didn't, and I just talked to them, and they promised me they would take care of it, um, and hopefully they did. And if they didn't, you know, whatever. But yeah, that's what's interesting about this. Not only is it like a weird story, um, 
but this is this is happening all of the time <laughs> like there's it's, really no, no you're right it's the world we're in now yeah like our our amazon echoes and our google homes and our home pods and our computers and our phones like we're surrounded by computers with sensitive microphones and cameras that have the capability to be recording us all of the time and we just don't even think about it yeah it's creepy creepy well, that's a lovely note to end our podcast on. <laughs> I know. The future, the the, the horrible uh, sci-fi apocalypse that you dreaded has finally come. It's here. It's here. At least we got through the whole episode without talking about olives. We did. Until now. Until now. All right. <laughs> well, Aaron, it is always a pleasure. And it's always a pleasure talking to you, Gordon. All right. Take care. Okay. You too.